The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. the score i'm your host don delorente and i'm joined by my co-host the libra icon Dwayne. what's going on Dwayne? not much playoff time we're in the thick of it let's go before we get into the conversation just let everybody know that you can find know the score on the cspn you can find cspn on the web at www.cspn.us you can also find another score on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify and YouTube. So, Dwayne, first, before we talk about the playoffs, we got to talk about Tiger Woods winning the Masters. It's his first Masters win since 2005. It's his first major win since 2008. So, a man who's professional career it was literally broken he couldn't even finish you know rounds he could make it through about half a round and literally have to walk off the course because he couldn't walk his back was so bad but he's come all the way back built himself all the way back up over the last decade and it culminated in last Sunday's win at the Masters so your thoughts on Tiger Woods and his return to the top of golf? Well, my first indication was, did he go back to the host? But, because, you know, he had the superpowers when he was doing that. But, jokes aside, this was this, and normally golf isn't my thing, but this was pretty awesome to see because... It's been a long time coming, you know. It really was kind of like a a rebuilding of Tiger Woods from the fact that personally, professionally, physically, just the fact that he had all he had a momentum from the get go. When I first saw the alert in the trending on. BR saying that he was like two shots. I was like, well, this is off to a good start. Might be an interesting weekend. And him staying the course during that time and then eventually taking the lead just really showed that to me that he could actually be back. Now, will I say he's fully back? Not yet. But this is a definite good start in that direction. And it's a feel-good story, you know. And we need feel-good stories like that. And and so definitely uh, happy for Tiger Tiger Woods. And we just need to enjoy the moment and see what happens next. You never know. This was the first major that Tigers ever won where he had to come from behind on the final day. So he got that monkey off his back. And it was the first time since maybe 
you just saw him when he had the DUI charge when he was all messed up on those pills, where he actually looked like he was human when he was walking off with all the people cheering and he was hugging his family and all those people cheering and he was just caught up in the moment and he let all those emotions go. He was slapping fives with people and yelling and has arms all raised. You wouldn't you wouldn't have seen that from Tiger fifteen years ago, ten years ago, maybe even five years ago. But just because he's been through so much and it's been such a hard road back, I think he appreciates things a lot more. And he's being a little bit more vulnerable than he's ever been. And it was good to see it all come out at a place that means so much to him, like the Masters and Augusta National. So good for Tiger. Hopefully he can keep it up and provide some more moments uh, later on this spring and summer for, you know, everybody to enjoy and, you know, put golf back in the mainstream for a little bit of time, which they haven't been having because nobody's Tiger, even at 43 or 44, however old he is right now, he still draws the needle more than anybody does. So the more he wins, the better it is for golf and the better it is for TV rating. So go Tiger. Now it's time to get to something that's near and dear to my co-host's heart. We're going to talk about the NHL playoffs as some of the heavy hitters have already gotten knocked off. Tampa Bay Lightning, they got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Calgary Flames, they got eliminated by the Colorado Avalanche in five games, and the New York Islanders swept the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, Dwayne... I'll let you have at it. Of those three, which one is the most impressive? Tampa Bay, or excuse me, Columbus, Colorado, or the Islanders? Who was the most impressive? That's a tough choice, but all three, very, very, very impressive. But the one that impressed me the most was actually the Islanders sweeping the Penguins. Nobody saw that coming. And, you know, Barry Trotz, he did win the Stanley Cup, left Washington. While Washington didn't renew his contract, he left, goes to the New York Islanders, and ends up getting them to the playoffs in his first year. This was supposed to have been a team rebuilding, especially reeling from the loss of their former captain, John Tavares, who went to Toronto. And instead of a rebuilding project, this team becomes a a uh, contender. They get one of the division spots in the playoffs, and they sweep a team that's been in the playoffs the last 13 years, has won about three Stanley Cups in that stretch, and have possibly one of the game's great players today in Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. And uh, Phil Kessels could have been his final time in a Penguins uniform. So the Islanders sweeping the Penguins, I didn't see that coming. I thought if the Islanders would win, it would be in six or seven games. But they definitely took care of business. And, and you know, sweeps are always good because you get to rest. You told us beware of the president's. Uh, trophy winning team that they usually don't fare well when it comes to the playoffs and your words 
ring very true for the Tampa Bay Lightning as they got ousted up out of here. Just a complete collapse in every regard. Yeah. Yes. And here's the thing with the Lightning. I think they they had 62 wins on the season, 128 points. They won 62, 16, and 4. 128 points, tied for the most points by... A well, tied for the most wins ever. It's matching the Detroit Red Wings. Of course, the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup that year. But this team coasted probably through the last couple months of the season. Yeah, they were winning, but they won. They clinched a playoff berth way back in the first week of March, and then. They ended up winning the President's Trophy not long after. And then, so it was pretty much like, for at this point, for the Lightning, they were kind of just resting players and kind of coasting into the playoffs when they battled the team that was the last team to get in. This was literally, if you, re, if you see the teams 1 through 16, Columbus was a 16 seed, essentially. And we've seen this over the last... Decade and a half, lower teams and lower teams knocking off the best team, the President's Trophy winners all the time. We've seen the Sharks lose to the Ducks. We've seen the the uh, Predators. They were the – I don't think they would beat the President's Trophy winners, but they did beat the Chicago Blackhawks as the last team to get in. So they were playing a team that was fighting to get in that – really was battle-tested already. And when you are playing a team that's already desperate to get in and a team that has experience going on the road and winning two games, they did this to Washington last year. And unfortunately, they lost the next four to Washington. So Columbus really grew up. They learned from, they learned from those mistakes last year. And they ended up, they ended up getting uh, the two wins at home like they should have, and so this was definitely a collapse. There, like literally, there's no words that anybody could say on that lightning side to kind of just say, "Hey, this is, it is what it is," and you know, I don't know how you're gonna recover from this. Their core is essentially locked up, so there are going to be some changes. I don't think John Cooper is going to go anywhere as the head coach. We'll just have to see. 62 wins for the Lightning, just a very bad showing in the playoffs. Most of the core will be back, and we'll just have to see how things go for next season. Um, And I think Steven Stamco said it best, if we had the answers – we won't be in this position right now. So, um, it, I guess these things happen. We'll just see. Like I said, we'll just have to see how they respond and go from there. The St. Louis Blues eliminated the Winnipeg Jets in six games. The Bruins and the Maple Leafs are both tied at three games each. They're headed to a game seven Tuesday night. 
the Capitals lead my Carolina Hurricanes three games to two. And the Predators are leading the Dallas Stars three games to two. Actually, that's reverse. Tonight. Oh, the, the Dallas Stars are leading the Predators. Yeah, that's, yes. Must win for Nashville tonight. And the Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks are tied at three games. Woo! Yeah, they were down three games to one, right? They were, and they won in double overtime last night. Uh, see, we haven't experienced one of those yet. Uh, we got the Hurricanes. They uh, came back in game three and just thrashed the Capitals five to nothing. Then they came back in game four, won two to one. And then game five, they got smashed six to nothing. And we'll see what happens in game five back at the PNC. Yes. Um, I'm going to talk about the now, before I go into those series real quick, I want to just touch on the Flames and the Avalanche. I think in that series, the youth of the Flames really showed in the postseason. Uh, the Avalanche have been battle-tested. They've been, they were knocked out of the playoffs last year by Nashville, but they learned from that experience and took that into this Calgary series, who was the top seed in the West. Uh, Colorado was actually the last team to get in in the West, and but their experience really paid off and it's pretty much extinguished the Flames. The Flames are going to be around for a long time. Uh, definitely see the Sea of Red uh, next year and years to come. So uh, great season for for Bill Peters and, and uh, company. I know that's a touchy subject in Raleigh, but... <laughs> Um, but I think the Hurricanes, both teams are going to be just fine. So, uh, with the Blues, uh, we kind of, well, I kind of said the first team to win at home would win the series, and it turned out to be the Blues who closed out the series win in St. Louis. Before that, the road team won all five of the previous games. And then... The Bruins and Maple Leafs in true Bruins and Maple Leafs original six fashion going to a game seven at the Garden in Boston. Um, this series has had everything in it. Uh, rivalries, uh, team winning on each other's ice, getting home ice. So uh, the last time these two teams went at it, it went seven games. The Bruins won in seven. Uh, Toronto has the longest Current Stanley Cup drought, haven't won the Cup since 1967. Uh, we did see Drake in his Maple Leafs jersey, which kind of might be a curse. So, you know, you know how that goes. Um, the Capitals and Hurricanes love the Hurricanes battling back in Raleigh to uh, make it a series. And I think, I really think they have a Good chance to get it done in game game six tonight in in Raleigh, and then the Sharks and Golden Knights. Sharks were like I said, Sharks were up three games to well down three to one. Uh, Tomas Hurdle has been the hero for the Sharks. Three goals in the last two games. After game five, he said we'll be back for game seven. 
And he's the one that scored the game winner in double overtime in game six to force that game seven. So cashing in on the guarantee that they'd be back. And Sharks are three and one at home in game sevens in the playoffs. Of course, their only loss was the year they were up three games to none on the LA Kings and lost. And and went into infamy. And uh, as for the last series of Predators and the Stars. Uh, Nashville hasn't really been playing up to up to their normal uh, potential. Give the Dallas Stars a lot of credit. A lot of these guys are first-timers in the playoffs. You're going up against a team that made to the Stanley Cup just two years ago. And Nashville will see if they can get that desperation to force a game seven. If there is a game seven, I will be at Bridgestone to work that game and we'll see what happens and all out. See what happens there. Of course, the winner that will get St. Louis uh, team who's had both of these guys numbers. So a lot going on in the Stanley cup playoffs, a lot of activity, a lot of great series being extended great hockey going on all around this is know the score i'm your host don de Laurente. i'm joined by my co-host the libra icon Dwayne. you can find know the score on the cspn at cspn.us we talk about some nba playoffs Dwayne shift the scene over to the boston celtics they're the first team to move on to the second round as they sweep the Indiana Pacers. All of the games were close, but Boston made the winning plays in the fourth quarter to pull out the series in four games. Warriors rebound after blowing a 31-point lead at home in game two. They lead the Clippers three games to one. The Raptors, they lead the Magic three games to one. And the Trailblazers are leading the Thunder three games to one. So we'll cut it off right there and let you just Give you give some thoughts on those first four matchups. Touch on anything that stands out uh, in those first four matchups that I mentioned. So the Celtics uh, sweeping the Pacers. Uh, the chemistry with the Celtics looked pretty pretty good. Uh, it's going to be a very very good nice rest for them as they await their likely second round opponent, which we'll touch on in just a second. Uh, the Warriors, I think, blowing that 31-point lead kind of activated angry Warriors and really took it to the Clippers. We'll definitely see how desperate they are in in a Game 5. Uh, coming up, same with Toronto. I think they got a wake up call after losing game one to the Magic. Now they got to close it out at home. Uh, the Thunder, I was expecting the Thunder to even the series up, but, of course, that did not happen. Uh, really kind of want to see Westbrook and Lillard uh, go at each other for all seven games of that series. That would be a lot of fun, but we'll see if the Thunder can get a win in in Portland next time. 
very difficult right now for the Thunder, in my estimation, because Paul George is hurt. And for some reason, Russell Westbrook just wants to shoot threes instead of moving into the paint and being the triple-double Russell Westbrook who drives and gets everybody involved. But for some reason, they're daring him to shoot threes, and he's falling right into their trap. Their three-point shooting has been horrendous. So it's going to be hard for the Thunder to, to dig out of this hole. Uh, we'll move on to the next set of games. The 76ers lead the Nets three games to one. There's been a lot of chippiness and ejections and fights and near fights in that series. The Nuggets and the Spurs are tied at two games each. The Milwaukee Bucks, they lead the uh, Detroit Pistons three games to none. And the Rockets lead the Utah Jazz three games to none. All right, so the Sixers Nets, I think the Sixers, this, yeah, this series has really kind of breeded a new kind of rivalry here between already division rivals. And even though the Nets lost, they've been really, really scrappy, uh, really, really physical. Uh, we did see Jimmy Butler, Jared Dudley get into it a, a little bit. And, you know, I think the Sixers came in taking the Nets slightly and, even though Brooklyn has been down three games, they've shown that they're not backing down uh, to anybody. Uh, the Nuggets and Spurs, probably the best series of them all in terms of competition. Uh, you got two squads who are pretty evenly matched, even though their records and seedings may not show it. Uh, these two teams are really going at it. It's really boiling down to uh, Mike Malone, who's, you know, hasn't been in this position as much as Greg Popovich as a head coach. And Pop is kind of giving a lesson on that, uh, on how to to do things. And the Bucks and Pistons, I mean, this has been no contest. Even with Blake Griffin coming back, it looked a little bit more respectable, but... Uh, this is no contest. Same with the Rockets and the Jazz. Um, uh, I was expecting the Jazz to come back and kind of make a little bit of noise in Utah, but I think the Rockets are just too much. They're on a mission to get back to the conference finals and beyond as well. Looks like Milwaukee and Boston are headed for a collision course in round two. And that winner of that series may be the team who represents the East in the finals. Do you think that the Raptors really have enough of the supporting cast to get past either the Bucks or the Celtics? I honestly think they do because uh, Pascal Siakam has really emerged this season. And he's their X factor. If he's if he plays like he has in the last couple of games in this Magic series and a lot of uh, the season, and especially in the second half of the season, then he could be the difference maker. If he's kind of if he steps to the foreground a lot more, kind of steps into that spotlight and avoids you know clamming up and 
freezing up when the team needs him the most as a viable third option, then the Raptors will kind of succumb to the uh, chemistry that the Celtics and the Bucks do have. But for me, he's going to be the X factor. And I think as long as, uh, of course, health is a major factor here, but, you know, Kawhi and Kyle, they're going to do what they need to do best. And then but they need a good third option. Siakam's been that option. So I think if he can, you know, stay that viable option, he will be able to keep this team afloat and make this uh, possible series. And maybe you can get the Raptors over to hump over either the Bucks or Celtics. All right. So we'll keep everybody informed as the NBA playoffs shift into the second round. Now we're going to shift over to the NFL because, you know, they're always in the news. Always. First, we'll talk about the NFL schedule. The Bears versus the Packers will be the opening game of the season. The two oldest teams are kicking off the 100th season of the NFL. As I think it should be. Yeah, I think that's a you know perfect choice. The Patriots, they're going to start off the season defending their Super Bowl championship against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The game that everybody thought was going to be the AFC championship game last year going into the season, but that did not manifest as Pittsburgh did not even make the playoffs last year. All right. Outstanding matchup, but who knows if they'll have all their heavy guns out there at this point in the season. The Saints and the Rams. A rematch of the NFC Championship game that happens in week 15 and a rematch of the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Patriots that happens in week 14. Dwayne, Carolina Panthers fan, do you have any notable dates on your schedule that you're looking forward to? Well, the, the top game that the Panthers have will be of course they go to London this year they're going to be playing at Tottenham uh, Tottenham Stadium in North London against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they will be able to um, it'll be their first ever trip to London they've never never been to London before it'll be their uh, very first trip uh, to to the UK, which is uh, very interesting. As long as they've been doing it, they have been one of those teams that have never made it across the pond. Um, not really many games stick out to me too much. Of course, you got the C. They've played with the Seahawks, uh, one of the biggest rivalries over the last few years in the NFC. Have been the Seahawks and Panthers, and you know during the especially during the Legion of Boom and the fifteen and one regular season, Panthers had to literally go through Seattle to finally show that they have arrived. So, and they don't have the luxury, at least this time around, they don't have to play the Saints twice in three weeks like they did last season. And or any kind of division opponent, they get the Bucks early, kind of get the Falcons in the middle of the schedule, 
and then uh, New Orleans kind of in the later half. But the they open up against the Rams. It's probably the Rams and the Packers, probably the two biggest games in the London game, or probably the three biggest games, I should say. Big games for the Washington football team. Oh, let's say the first five as they start off with Philly, Dallas, Chicago, the Giants, and the Patriots. Yeah, that could be um that could be over right out the gate. Well, maybe the Giants might give us one. They might be charitable. Uh in the middle of the schedule is a little bit easier. Uh San Francisco, Miami, Buffalo, the Jets, Detroit. They're in there. Uh, who knows what Carolina will be in December, but December's kind of tough. Carolina, Green Bay, Philly, Giants, and Dallas. Yeah. I was looking at – I really wish they would have put the Vikings at the Redskins and had Kirk Cousins return to Washington. That was yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we got to travel up to Minnesota. That's going to be a Thursday night game. Play the Bears on Monday night. Play the Vikings on a Thursday night. And those are the two primetime games slated as of right now before the season starts for the Washington football team. Well, the Monday games, I don't think they got a flex. At least at least you guys got – well, we only got one primetime game. That's Thursday, which I think is a good thing because – Anytime the Panthers are on the national stage, they never do well anyway. So I'm kind of glad there's no primetime games. Even though if you want to be an elite team, you know, you got to go through that. But anytime they end up trying to reach that that elite level and try to have those games, they end up embarrassing me. So I'm kind of glad there's no no, – get the – there's no primetime games. They got the Thursday night game uh, against Tampa at home. Get it out the way. Ain't got to worry about it. And then, of course, the then they get the uh, London game at eight at uh, nine thirty in the morning as well. This week, we will have the NFL draft taking place. Right there in your backyard, Dwayne. Nashville. So tell me about the preparation in the city. Uh, is the excitement starting to ramp up this week now that it's finally here and it's closer? It's the week of? Or is it still kind of, uh, you know, a couple of days too early? Maybe everything will start happening around Tuesday? I think everything's going to start happening around Tuesday, but a lot of. They've been kind of. Well, not kind of. They've been moving things, closing roads, and, you know, setting everything up for the most part all month long. And now that is getting closer, is getting closer. Downtown's going to be a madhouse, especially if the Predators extend their playoff run. So, you know, the NHL and... (laughs) And the NFL draft going on, possibly on the same weekend. It's going to be one huge party in Nashville. I can say that. So, but it will depend on, a lot's going to depend on um, the final preparations. I think everything is coming to fruition. And 
looking forward to trying to go out to a couple of events that week uh, that weekend and really kind of just taking the atmosphere. It's not every not every day something like this happens in Nashville. I mean, you did have. I mean, you got all the the um, events in Music City and things of that sort. You know, they have the they have the experience. I think the NFL draft this event of this magnitude. It'll be fun, and I think it's going to really showcase showcase Nashville in a good light, and and we shall see how you know the draft plays out and how everybody's going to be enjoying it. Can't wait for the reviews. Well, it appears like Kyler Murray still on track to be the number one pick in this year's draft. Even though the Arizona Cardinals, as of recording, still have Josh Rosen on their roster. So that's the most interesting part of the draft still. Where does Josh Rosen end up? Do they keep him on the roster, draft them both, and then wait till later in the training camp, later in the, you know, lead up to the season once a quarterback gets hurt and the team becomes more desperate for a quarterback? they can get more value for him? Or do you think that they wait till draft night to do something with Josh Rosen? Well, I think as of right now, they're going to, I would kind of keep them both until a team that's desperate for a QB calls them. You know, I mean, you can also, Trying to think of a team that would desperately need a quarterback. I mean, I don't know if the Giants are going to draft anybody at QB. Uh, so if you could look at them, you could look at Washington, especially if Alex Smith is, since Alex Smith is probably nowhere near ready, uh, you would probably know that better than I would, Don. Um I'm trying to think of who else. I'm kind of just going down this list here. The Miami Dolphins need a quarterback. They did trade away Ryan Tannehill. That would be a good landing spot, good ideal landing spot. I don't even know who's the quarterback on the number one on the depth chart is right now. So, uh, Ryan Flores and company. Ryan Flores, Chris Greer, you know, hey, Josh Rosen could be there for the taking, but you also got to look at what compensation do the Cardinals want for Josh Rosen. He was a top 10 pick, or what was he also out of the top 10? I don't know. Either way. He was he was like number 10, I think. Yeah, so your top 10 pick. So you likely want a first round for him. Do you really want to part ways with that first round pick? Um, you know... Because if Kyler Murray is going to be the ideal top pick, then then you know you should move him. But I think Miami, yeah, Miami, uh, Washington, uh, Giants, they could use an upgrade in the position at one point or another. So the Dolphins will kind of probably need it the most. Uh, Washington would would get a significant upgrade if they brought him in as. And New York would probably get an upgrade in that position whenever Eli decides to hang it up. And so we shall see how that turns out. 
As of latest reporting, Washington is not in the running any longer for Josh Rosen. It appeared that leading up to the draft and much of the discussion in the early spring after free agency was that Washington was kind of positioning themselves to go after Josh Rosen. But as of the last four or five days, it's becoming more likely that if the trade is going to happen, it's going to happen between the Giants or the Dolphins. It looks like the Washington football team is content to maybe try to draft their guy at 15, or if the defensive linemen start really going at a high rate, they kind of fall back and get their guy. I hope their guy is Drew Locke. I hope it isn't Dwayne Haskins. Something says Jameis Winston about him, and I just... uh, I can't understand that. No good. So, I just see... It it, it just... Like, he's the type of player who's going to need, like, a brick wall of offensive line because his wind-up is so long... And he's so used to guys running wide open, he doesn't throw with any anticipation. Yeah, James. Yeah, yeah. We've seen James Winston go, God Almighty. So we'll switch it over to some specific needs for your team, the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> uh, what are the uh, things they need to go after in this draft, and who would you like to see them take with their first pick in the first round? Left tackle, left tackle, left tackle, offensive line. We'll probably move, if there was or something, we'll probably move to left tackle. But good God almighty, we need an offensive line. I would say because even though Christian McCaffrey was able to be elusive, get through the tackles and all that, that's all good and well. However, this... Whatever has been going on, and uh, we we need pass protection for Cam. Uh, Cam's been going on. He's been going vegan. He's been abstaining. He's been doing a lot of positive things. His shoulders been getting positive reviews back from the reports, which is great. I'm glad for that. But we need an offensive line, and we also need to find. Probably the heir, the heir to Julius Peppers as well, and you know those two things. So offensive lineman, defensive lineman, and and then a linebacker because you know you got to avoid a left line, left outer linebacker with uh, Thomas Davis. They choose chose not to resign him, and he went to. The Chargers, so... Oh, yeah, shout-out to the Chargers for finally making the Powder Blues a permanent jersey. Um, That's really the main things I'm looking for. Uh, We could use some secondary help as well because um, we need to... We need need some safety help uh, besides Eric Reed. I'm glad that Eric Reed is back. I'm glad he's got a new contract. And, you know, I'm confident in James Bradbury and Dante Jackson on the corners. But we need we need a free safety. If, uh, 
if Rashawn Golden is healthy, he could be that guy, but it, it couldn't be. It, it wouldn't hurt to have some uh, something shored up and maybe get a complimentary bat to uh, McCaffrey as well. So it sounds like you guys ran Dave Gettleman out on a rail because he traded Steve Smith, but it's the same thing he would have drafted, defensive lineman, offensive lineman. It's the same thing he's talking about with the Giants. He's not going to pick a quarterback at six. He's going to get Montez Sweat or Allen or Williams or Bosa. One of those four or five guys is who he's going to pick. Which is – and I get – I get – I totally get that, you know. The thing with Dave Gettleman was more so the fact that he wanted to let one of Jerry Richardson's favorites go. I forgot which favorite he wanted to let go. And Jerry Richardson kind of resisted on that. And so that kind of created a little rift between the two. And that's why Jerry just abruptly fired him um, last season. So that's where that that's where that stuff from. I forgot who it was that that um he wanted to get rid of. It might have been Thomas Davis. I don't want to say that for certain, but uh Jerry Richardson, who was the owner at the time, was not really into that decision and that kind of created a created a a difference of opinion and difference of views and and then of course you bring back Marty Herney and you know Marty Herney's done relatively well since he's been back so this draft will kind of test to see where he's really at and and how much he's learned since he got fired uh, several years ago so we'll see Washington football team obvious needs quarterback they also need a guard, a couple of them. One that can play and one that can be a good backup. Need some safety help. Need a pass rusher, too. Need a really good outside pass rusher guy who can create a lot of havoc, get double-digit sacks to help Kerrigan on the other side. That can be an impact at big parts of the game. And as many secondary players as they can find, He'd also scoop those up too. Definitely have a void at safety. Could also use some more cornerbacks. Uh, just need some fast guys on defense and, and a receiver. Forgot about that. Need a wide receiver as well. Need a lot of speed. Uh, yeah. Um, just need a lot of speed. If, if, if they can just upgrade the speed on the offense and the defense, then that will be a big plus. But uh, definitely between quarterback, receiver, and uh, offensive guard, those need to be the three picks that happen right off the bat for the Washington football team in this year's draft. So, Dwayne, at this point, man, it's time for shout-outs and thank yous and closing thoughts. So I'll let you lead off. Well, as always, thank you for having me on. This is always one of my favorite times of the week and I appreciate the opportunities every single time so shout out to you for that uh, shout out to all the CSPN family all the podcasters that are doing their thing as well uh, my final thought would kind of just be 
Um, two words. There's no better. There's very few words in sports that are better than game seven. And we already got two for Tuesday night. We might have two more Wednesday night. So game seven in on the ice between the Sharks and Golden Knights in San Jose, the Bruins and Maple Leafs in Boston. Should be intense season on the line. Um, everything will be laid out. Um, hopefully, we'll see an NBA series go Game Seven, so we can have that same feeling. But definitely, like I said, no two better words in sports, especially in the springtime than Game Seven. I like to give a shout outs to the Libra Icon for joining me on this week's episode. Also, like to give a shout out to everyone over at Richmond Raceway and NASCAR, the Media Center, um, Ross, Brian, uh, Brent, Matt, Courtney, everybody that showed us such a great time last week at Richmond uh, Raceway. We got some great content, so head over to the CSPN YouTube page to see some cool videos with Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., who actually won the race, got to interview him in Victory Lane. Also got to interview Ryan Blaney. So it's, uh, also got to interview his PR rep as well, which is a really cool thing. They kind of get into the um, the guys who, you know, you always see with the drivers. They're with them everywhere they go when they're in the media centers or when they're walking around the tracks. And they get a, you know in-depth look into what they actually do. So please check those podcasts out and those videos out over on uh, the network here, the podcast network, and also on YouTube. Check out the YouTube page, CSPN Media, and check out those cool videos. And you can also get a look around the NASCAR garage before uh, practice, put together a little cool video, just seeing the guys working on the cars and things like that. So really cool content got a lot more stuff to put up on the youtube page so stay on the lookout for that so once again just thanks to everybody at richmond last week we had such a great time and uh, we can't wait to go to charlotte in a couple of weeks for the all-star race um my final shout out would be just support the sponsors over on cspn.us click on keep our podcast free shop with one of the sponsors help keep the podcast free each and every week and also support the CSPN by becoming a member of the Patreon page. Go over to CS, uh, patreon.com, excuse me, forward slash CSPN Media. Subscribe to the Patreon page, help subscribe, and uh, listen to our exclusive content that we have over on the Patreon. Some really good stuff over there from our podcast that you should check out. Exclusive content only found on Patreon. So please help support the CSPN member, CSPN Media, by becoming a patron. So for the Libra Icon, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.